1: Likewise, in the Bible, we've read where the Lord has called many, many, many other individuals, men and women, to serve him. You can think of some just as I can. Isaiah, Esther, Gideon. It goes on and on and on. The people that God has called to his service. He's given them an individual calling. In the book of Philippians, Paul said that this call in the ministry is a high calling. It's a heavenly calling. But unfortunately, many of the church today take that call lightly.
0: As Pastor Dave will challenge us in today's message, God has called each one of us into a life of ministry. Are you taking that calling lightly or intentionally living your life with it in mind? Don't miss out on the beautiful mission that Jesus has for you. It won't be easy, but the eternal spiritual rewards are worth it. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 26 as he begins his message, The Call to Ministry.
1: We're going to be in Acts 26, specifically in verses 12 through 18. So if you have a Bible, please open up to Acts 26. Studying our way through the book of Acts, we only have two and a half chapters to go in the study of the book of Acts, and then we'll have been completed. Wow, that's exciting. So if you've turned there, I'd like to read aloud. If you want to read along silently, please, in Acts 26, beginning with verse 12. While thus occupied, as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, at midday, O king, along the road I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. So I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified. By faith in me. So one Sunday after church, a lady approached the pastor, and by the way, the pastor's name was Charles Spurgeon. The lady approached him and said to him, She felt called to the ministry. He asked her about her home and her family, and she said, Well, she had a husband and 13 children at home. Spurgeon quickly exclaimed, Well, praise God, not only has He called you to ministry, but He's given you a congregation as well. Today's message is entitled The Call to Ministry, and I have to say that you'll see here in a while that these verses are very, very close to my heart, and I intend to get through them with as little emotion as possible, but these verses that we're studying today are the most important verses to me in my Christian walk. In fact, they are my life verses. So as we share them, I hope to expound on that later. So have you ever thought about what it means to be called into ministry? Have you thought about what it means to be called? You know, according to the Bible and throughout all Scripture, the Lord calls or he summons men and women to do certain things. And, you know, in a general sense, God has called us all to receive salvation and the redemption that can only be found in the Son, Jesus Christ. This calling is more than just an invitation. Did you know that? Did you know that the calling to be saved is more than just an invitation? We read, when we studied Acts 17 in verse 30, Paul stood before the Athen believers, and he, or the Athen philosophers, actually, and he said to them this, quote, Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. God commands us to repent. He calls all men, all women everywhere to repent and to receive Jesus Christ as Lord. Though this calling is for all, globally, it's a call to individuals as well. God personally and individually invites and commands each individual to partake of the heavenly blessings that redemption brings. We're all called to be partakers. And according to Scripture, when we read Scripture, we find out this call is given outwardly by the gospel, and it's given inwardly by the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We read that in Scripture. After one has answered the call to salvation and received Christ as his Savior, God then calls him or her to other callings, which are usually moral of nature, and they affect the believer's attitude. They affect his conduct. I mean, God calls all believers to fellowship with Christ. We can read that in 1 Corinthians 1.9. God has called all believers to holiness. You can read that in 1 Thessalonians 4.7. God has called all Christians to a liberty in Christ. We can read that in Galatians 5.13. To peace, 1 Corinthians 7.15. And to virtue, 2 Peter one verse three. And as believers, Paul says, we're to walk worthy of the calling that we've received. He says this at Ephesus 4.1. But there is still another calling that is even more personal than these moral callings. It's a call to an individual believer for a specific ministry. It's a call to a specific ministry. The Lord has been calling specific people for specific ministries all through history since the beginning of time. I mean, look at some of the ones that we've studied. Abraham was called out of the Earl of Chaldees, or out of the Earl of Chaldeans. We read Moses was called out of Egypt to serve the Lord. Even his brother Aaron was called out from among the Levites to be a priest. So God calls people, he calls individuals for certain ministries and only certain duties that he wants them to perform. Likewise, in the Bible, we've read where the Lord has called many, many, many other individuals, men and women, to serve him. You can think of some just as I can. Isaiah, Esther, Gideon, it goes on and on and on. The people that God has called to his service he's given them an individual calling in the book of philippians paul said that this call in the ministry is a high calling it's a heavenly calling but unfortunately many of the church today take that call lightly they take that call lightly they're very content and passive in their position they become quite anxious at the prospect of being involved in the life of ministry of a body of christ You know, it's God's desire that each of us who are Christian use the gifts that he has given to us and use them to our ability. Scripture is clear that says God has given to each of us unique ministries and it's our responsibility to discover what they are, to discover what God has indeed called us to do, where we can be planted into a ministry that he's called us. Now, in our text this morning, We see the Apostle Paul, and he stands before King Agrippa and his wife Bernice, and he's reviewing his testimony. He's reviewing what brought him to the Lord. He spoke about the days of the Pharisee. He spoke about his zealness that he carried for God and how he went and pulled out people who were following Jesus of Nazareth, how he consented to their deaths, how he voted in favor of them being killed, how he persecuted them even in the foreign cities. And it was on his way to one of these foreign cities, papers in hand, that the Lord apprehended him on the road. The Lord appeared to him on the road. And these are the scriptures that we study this morning. It's called Paul's conversion. He receives a calling that the Lord Jesus placed upon his life. So as I studied these scriptures, and like I said, they were extremely important to me, and we will get to that. They were extremely important to me, but I see four things. I see four things that the Lord is doing here in this call. First thing I see is the calling of God to salvation. That's the first thing I see, the calling of God to salvation. Secondly, I see that God's calling to a ministry with a specific purpose. A ministry with a specific purpose. Thirdly, I see God's calling to a ministry with a specific aim. And finally, I see God's calling to a ministry with a specific task. So that's what I see in these verses that we're studying today. So as we begin our study, we see the Apostle Paul setting up his encounter before King Agrippa. As we look in verses 12 and 13, he's basically continuing from verse 10. So let's read verse 10 in chapter 26 down through uh, 13. This I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in every synagogue and expelled them to blaspheme and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. While thus occupied, as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, at midday, O king, along the road, I saw light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who journeyed with me. It's a familiar story. And if you've been following us as we studied the book of Acts, you'll know that we've already talked about this in great length in Acts 9 and again in Acts 22. We've studied these very, very passages in great length. But Paul is repeating them. On the road to Damascus, he and his companions see a great light shining from heaven, brighter than the sun, and they fall to the ground. We don't know what they were riding. We don't know if they were riding anything. But everybody says he was knocked off his high horse. We don't know. It doesn't say. But they fall to the ground. And in verse 14, Paul hears a voice calling his name and asking him a question. And when we had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And also, we've studied this. At length. But here I see the call to salvation. I see a call to salvation by the Lord to the Apostle Paul. Now think about it. How many calls do you receive in one day? Well, if you are a person who works in a busy, busy office like Marion, you'll probably receive many, 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 many calls during the day. They may come on your telephone. But you know, in this day of modern technology, they can come in an email, they can come in a text they can even come on Facebook or they can come in that thing called snail mail. No, with a stamp on now. Anyhow. Calls come in different shapes and different sizes. We have personal calls, telemarketing calls, my favorite, political calls, fundraising calls, calls awarding us trips. And if you're on Facebook, you get calls asking you to be friends or call to play games. On any given day, we receive different calls from different individuals. How do we answer these calls? When you receive a call, how do you answer the call? I bet now in the days of caller ID, the first thing you do is you look at the caller ID to see who's calling. Because the purpose of a call is, when you look at it, the one thing that you want to know, the most important thing you want to know is who's calling. And that determines usually whether you answer the call or not. Does it not? I know some of you have dissed me when I've called. I'm talking to him. Oh, not him again. Oh, geez. I lost your number. It's always important when we receive a call to know who's called. I mean, if you've ever been to a baseball game or if you ever watched a baseball game on TV and you've seen and you've heard them, there goes, the manager, he's making the call to the bullpen. He picks up a phone. He calls out to the bullpen. They show the bullpen and guys are running around trying to get ready to come into the game. You know, Imagine if the guy in the bullpen... They have a manager out in the bullpen, by the way. He's a bullpen manager, just another way to spend massive money. Anyhow, he's out there in the bullpen. He answers the call. Now, imagine if he picked up the phone and it was the bat boy on the other end. The guy who takes the bats out for the guys. And he says, send in picture such and such. What? What? I'm not going to listen to the bat boy. See, the credibility of the caller is depending upon their position, the credibility of the caller, it depending upon their position. Now, unfortunately, if you get a call from someone who identifies himself as law enforcement in the middle of the night saying that someone that you know has been in a car accident, you might listen more closely. You might be more intent to listen more closely. And we always pay more attention to the diagnosis of the doctor than the diagnosis of the mailman. So whoever's calling, it, 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 the importance is greater when we realize who is calling. What happens when God calls? What happens when you get a call from God? Well, first, we have a choice, just like any other call. We can answer his call, or we can ignore the call. But do you know the answer to ignore the call of God is to answer it? There's no halfway. You either answer the call or not answer the call with God. For to not answer is really an answer. Think about it. Well, we must answer when God calls. When the Lord tugs at our heart and calls us, we must respond to him. Now, how do you respond when the Lord calls? Well, if the Lord calls, one of the things you might do is you might turn and run as fast as you can. You might just turn around and beat it and run leave skid marks. Other times, we embrace the call. Paul asks this big question. Who's calling? Who's calling me? Who's calling out my name in the midst of this bright light? I can't see a thing, and someone's calling out my name. Who's calling me? Look what it says in part fifteen. A. So I said, who are you, Lord? Wait a minute. There must have been something recognizable about what he saw, heard. Because he says, who are you, Lord? The Greek word is kurios, meaning supreme authority, meaning God. When God calls us, we usually know it is he. It's unmistakable who is calling us when God calls. God was calling Paul to salvation through Jesus Christ. Paul says to the Roman believers in Romans ten nine. You have you've confessed with your mouth, the Lord Jesus. And in the verse here, the word Lord is kurios. The same word used here in verse 15a. See, Paul immediately knew who was speaking to him. Paul immediately knew his heart was quickened. The spirit touched him and he said, yes, he knew the truth. And he was born again to the calling of Jesus Christ. But Jesus still answers his question. Jesus introduces himself to the apostle Paul. In in the second part of verse 15, he says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Paul now knows two things. He knows that he's been persecuting Jesus, and he knows that Jesus is alive. What do you think was going through his head? Uh Uh-oh. He knows that he's been persecuting Jesus, not the church. He's been persecuting Jesus alone, and that Jesus is really alive. What happens in Paul's mind during this time? Jesus is alive. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. If Jesus was alive and I'm a Jew, who am I thinking of? I'm thinking of the Messiah. Wait a minute. The Messiah is supposed to be risen from the dead. Oh, my gosh. Jesus is the Messiah. And he's standing right there before me. And he's speaking to me. Lord Jesus has appeared to Paul to grant him salvation by confessing in his name and believing that God had raised him from the dead. So we have this call of salvation. And next we see the call to ministry with a specific purpose. The ministry has a specific purpose. Read verse 16. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. When God calls someone in the ministry, he gives them a specific purpose. There's a purpose to your ministry. Paul's purpose was to be a minister and a witness. Now, the word minister here simply means under rower. You know, the guy in the galley of a Roman slave ship? That's what that word, word really means. It also can mean the word servant, one who serves. And we know that witness simply means to tell about what you've seen and what you've heard. You're a witness, Jesus says, get up, Paul. Get up. Stand on your feet. I've called you. I've called you to be a minister and witness of the things that I'm going to show you. What is Paul seeing? He's seeing the risen Lord. Paul actually saw the, rectified, the, the resurrected Christ right there in front of him, face to face. He's going to testify that. We talked about that. Jesus says, rise on your feet, Paul. I got things to show you. Get up. And it's interesting to me that he says those words because you know what? I have found ministry is moving. Ministry is moving. Ministry is not sitting around waiting. Ministry is moving. It's not standing still. To serve, one must be actively moving. Ministry is active, not passive. Jesus says, This is why I appeared to you, Paul. Get moving. Don't look back at mistakes. Don't look back at past failures. Don't look back at past victories except to give me glory. Just get moving. Ministry is moving. Get going. Jesus' words are quite clear. This is what David Guzik says on this. He said, the commission was clear, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness. Paul was commissioned for two things. First, a minister, which means to be a servant of things which he'd seen, and things which Jesus would yet reveal to him. The commission of the Christian is not to make the message or his testimony serve him, He is called to serve the message. Second, Paul was called to be a witness of those things. The commission of a Christian is not to create experience or create the message, but to witness it and experience it. Unquote. So we see Paul being called to salvation. Paul being called to ministry with a specific purpose. And the next thing we see is Paul being called by God to a ministry that has a specific aim. Look at verse 17. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. There's the specific aim of Paul's ministry. The Gentiles to whom I will now send you. We read in Acts 15 and we studied it at length when Jesus was talking to Ananias. Ananias says, I don't know, I don't want to go talk to this guy, Paul. And and the Lord said, but the Lord said to him, go, for he's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. This was the aim of Paul's ministry. This was the target audience, so to speak. You're to go to the Gentiles now. But Paul's heart was for his people. Paul's heart was for his people, the Jews, and the Lord knew this. And Paul would have many, many, many opportunities to witness to the Jews. But Jesus said, you're going to witness to me of kings too. But your focus is going to be the Gentiles, Paul. What do we see today in today's scripture? Paul's fulfilling this command of Jesus Christ. He's standing before a king. He is standing before a king, giving testimony that Christ has risen, that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. This brings us to our fourth and final part. The calling of God has a specific message. It has a specific message. Look at 18 to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith. The specific purpose of Paul's ministry was to be a minister and a witness. The specific aim was the Gentiles, Jews, and the kings. But the specific message was the gospel. For the gospel itself entailed opening the eyes. This implies blindness. Paul would later write to the Corinthians that the God of this world is blind at their eyes that they can't see. See, a man who does not know Jesus Christ is blind to the truth in many, many different ways. What's even worse is a person who knows the truth, but is still blind to it and doesn't believe. But the God of this world is blind at men's eyes that they can't see the truth. Paul was to open their eyes, to turn their eyes from Satan to God. How was he going to do this? The gospel. It's the gospel message, the power of God to salvation to all who would believe. See, there's two kingdoms in this world, even as we speak. There are two spheres of government, if you will. One is the government of God, and one is the government of Satan. They are mutually exclusive, and they're very antagonistic. Every man exists in one of two kingdoms. You're either in the kingdom of light, or you're in the kingdom of darkness. You're either in the kingdom of God, or in the kingdom of Satan. And if, that, if you're in the kingdom of darkness, then you were under Satan's control. If you're in the kingdom of light, you're under God's control. In the beginning, there was just one kingdom. It was God's kingdom. You are sure
0: the stories you've been hearing about Peter, Paul, Stephen, and the many other followers of Jesus are meant to inspire you and encourage you. These brave people lived long ago and had the privilege of seeing the gospel message spread from its point of origin, Jesus himself. Their testimony and diligence in spreading the good news of hope and new life changed hearts and saved countless people, and continues on even today through the writings in Acts and the rest of the New Testament. However, the lives you were studying weren't without trial. Each disciple of Jesus faced persecution in some form, yet it never swayed them to abandon their faith. What difficulties are you facing for Jesus now? Don't lose heart. Remember that you're sharing the truth, and that the truth can set people free. You have the Savior of the world on your side, and He will stand with you through every trial and triumph. We're so glad you joined us for today's edition of Assure Hope, as we continue to study the book of Acts with Pastor Dave Schenck. If you'd like to listen to more teachings, we invite you to visit our website, assurehoperadio.com. Feel free to download and share Pastor Dave's teachings, or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Are you in the Cape May area? If so, we want to meet you. Come join us this Sunday at 10 a.m. at Calvary Chapel, Cape May to learn more from the Word, sing praises to your Lord, and fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Find out more at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for joining us today on Assure Hope. Us. we're ready now To stand up on us our-